The Dynasty League podcast is brought to you by our friends over at MyBookie. Head over to MyBookie.ag to get access to some of the friendliest lines across the internet for all your sports book needs. You can also head over to DinesPressBox.com and click on any of the pre-populated banners. They'll take you over there with links and promo codes already set up for you. If you're making a first deposit or a top-up deposit, make sure to use the promo code DINESPORTS, D-Y-N-E-S, sports with an S at the end of it, no spaces in between, all one word, so that they know who sent you. You hear that, boys? That's the sweet sound of victory. <laughs> that is Eric Long and Craig Anich coming through on their payment of a delicious 12-pack of Orleans Brewing Company. But he also added in a little treat for me, too. Due to the anonymous complaint we received, I just opened a crisp... Bud Light. So for any of the <laughs> Bud Light or Budweiser, Anheuser-Busch, Labatt crew, this one's for you. And please let also the listeners know what else was in that gift of yours too, besides those two things you mentioned. There's one thing you've left out. <laughs> what was there? Because it might have been missing from the front porch. You had the, the, the craft beer, 12 of them. You had one Bud Light and you had one of something else. I already said a Labatt. No, did you? Oh. Oh, I just heard Bud Light. We're off to a blistering start here on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whatever. whatever. Fair and balanced. Fair yeah. and balanced. And I like how you started off with the crack of the can. It's a very nice sound, very satisfying sound, whether it's a beer, whether it's a can, a can of soda pop. <laughs> all sounds so satisfying. About as satisfying as watching Joffrey get killed in Game of Thrones. Ooh. Wow, so good. Uh, there's the got to enjoy. Got to enjoy the little things. Got to enjoy the little things. Apparently, well, spoiler alert. Yeah, Jeez, I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know who probably enjoyed a few pints himself and seemed to be enjoying himself <laughs> this last week, Mr. Urban Meyer. Had himself a time. <laughs> Holy. Greg, you were all about Matt Nagy, first coach fired. Does Urban Meyer just take the lead or what? Oh man, fired out of a cannon from the stadium, like back into the parking lot. His players are just like, any respect they had for him as a college coach is gone. It begs the question here, like <laughs> he wasn't exactly earning rave reviews to begin with. Didn't really even seem like he was enjoying himself that much in Jacksonville. The USC job became available. Is he pulling a George Costanza and just trying to get himself fired right now? Or like, what is going on in Jacksonville? I don't know what video you saw, but it looked to me like he was enjoying himself. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's like... My favorite is like, <laughs> people didn't even make like a meme or anything out of it. It was literally just the cell phone cam footage. And the person who posted it just, the caption was, that's not your wife. <laughs> Maybe he was confused. And the story too, like just canceling team meetings and then not addressing it right away, kind of hiding from it and then trying to go to individual groups to try to explain everything and just like guys coming out just basically laughing at him after. Like that's that's your team. You're going to tell them what to do on the football field now? And even more so than that too, just the actual football optics of it. I mean, the rumor, again, this is, this is unconfirmed, who knows, but apparently it was after the loss in Cincinnati, 
he didn't even travel with the team back home so he stayed back in ohio to sow his wild oats so to speak this is the result of it and then as you say not even really addressing it there's already an anonymous player who's come out and said that no one took him seriously it was sort of the uh, dwight Schrute apology in the office there where it's i express my regret <laughs> and then he folds the yeah. piece of paper up like <laughs> just it, it, everything about it it was just it's not a good look especially for someone who is 0-4 at the nfl level and is quickly losing the locker room and even the owner's support as well too and he probably lost his wife's support too <laughs> might be Maybe. some alimony support coming up yeah so the the track record of college head coaches making a jump to the nfl as a head coach isn't great no. I mean, since Jimmy Johnson did it, like who else has really been successful? Jim right Harbaugh now. had a had a Jim Harbaugh had a great record, but I mean, like other than that, you have guys like Chip Kelly who were average. Uh, I mean, Bill O'Brien. Average might okay be record. giving him more credit than he. Deserves. Well, he has a winning he, he has a winning record. He has a, he actually has a winning record. It's like you know these guys come in and sometimes they do well, but then they just flame out, and then we always remember them for flaming out, even though they have a, a five hundred record as a head coach. But it's, it's the track record isn't really that good when it comes to um, coaches jumping right from the right from college to uh, to the NFL. Like, how does a guy like Eric Bieniemy not get? chosen ahead of a guy like urban meyer for a head coach job well this is the thing where everyone is trying to be the smartest person in the room everyone wants to find the next sean mcveigh the next shanahan the next wonder kid who's going to come in here look at the friggin' eagles with sirianni right now like that that's already blowing up in their faces and i doubt he lasts longer than two seasons up there because they tried to get cute with the hire but people try and build off these legacies i mean you look at nick saban he didn't last very long and then he goes back to college and he just dominates right like you have to realize you're dealing with apples and oranges in college, it's very much like high school where you are the alpha, what you say goes. And if you're not getting with it, we're kicking you out of here and you're out of the program or whatever, right? When you're dealing with people who are being paid tens of millions of dollars, it's not your choice to run the ship that way in a lot of those cases, right? Like Trevor Lawrence would have to murder someone in open daylight with 15 witnesses around for him to not be the starter next week. And that's not an Urban Meyer choice. That's literally coming from the top-down ownership group. And I think a lot of people who try to make that college jump struggle with that because they don't realize that I'm dealing with grown ass men with families and multimillionaires and Super Bowl rings and Pro Bowl appearances and all of that. What worked with a bunch of 18, 19, 20 year old kids isn't going to work at the pro level. Mm -hmm. I think part of it too is, I mean, it seems to be that the ones that are struggling are the ones that are coming from the big programs where they have a say in everything. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like if you're going to go the college route, you want to grab the guys that have maybe built the program or have kind of been there kind of developing their own style one coach that's starting to see some success now Cliff Kingsbury was not I mean Texas Tech is a fairly big school yep. but it's not like they've had a ton of success yeah. and now you're starting to see him come around and um, look at let's <laughs> say Matt Rule in Carolina right there's another college coach coming from uh -huh. Baylor again it's not like Baylor was this massive football school but he's he was able to work his ass off and build himself a program and it just shows a little bit more of maybe strategy and maybe football-based knowledge as opposed to we're in a big school, we get the best players kind of thing, you'll have a chance to win a championship. 
Well, it's such a great point too, right? Because the, the schools that don't have the cachet of a, a Florida, an Alabama, an Ohio State, like the, these schools who just by opening the doors and turning on the light switch are going to have five-star recruits interested in playing with them there. It's going to be the schools where you need to hustle and create those relationships with people and bond with families and sell them on your program like those are the people like you just said that are having success at the next level not these people who are literally coaching from their ivory towers and have their asses kissed and they're making 10 million dollars are probably making more in college than they do at the yeah. level here <laughs> like yeah. the classic shaquille o'neal joke everyone knows he made his money in college <laughs> You think Shaq got rich in Orlando? No. <laughs> got rich playing in LA. Yeah, but not as much, not as rich as he was playing in college. Before we move on there, just in case anyone who's listening hasn't heard the full situation from the players, I found the thread where you get a lot of player feedback here. So I'll just read it off real quick. Uh, read the it. situation in Jacksonville has reached a crisis point, especially in the locker room. One player told me he has zero credibility in that stadium. He had very little to begin with. Players were particularly put off by the fact that Meyer canceled Monday's team meeting as he dealt with the uproar over the videos of him and a young woman getting cozy in that Ohio bar. He even canceled the team meeting. He was too scared, a player said. Instead, Meyer only apologized to position groups individually. He portrayed the woman in the videos as a random person who was just there dancing. Suffice it to say, his audience was highly skeptical. Said one player, we looked at him like, what the fuck? Right when he left, everyone started dying laughing, and he knew it. Bottom line, said the player, it's bad. I don't know how he's going to function. Even Shad Khan is, came out, and he goes, yeah, he must regain our trust and respect. Everybody, Urban Meyer is not making friends with anybody No, right now. No. And you're not leaving. And I don't think had this been maybe year two or year three of that massive contract that they doled out to him, probably already would have been relieved of his duty, but the fact that they're four games into this lucrative deal to pry him away from Ohio state is probably the only reason he hasn't been handed his walking papers at this point. Cause uh, I think it's going to get a whole lot uglier before it gets any better down in Jacksonville. But. Yeah. New NFL players and coaches stay out of clubs, stay out of strip clubs, stay out of massage parlors. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck with that. <laughs> you're fighting an uphill battle there. <laughs> Uh, all right let's let's move from uh the dumps to a very impressive performance and that was a battle of the undefeated out in the nfc west you had the arizona cardinals going against the los angeles rams and i think a lot of people kind of thought all right arizona bit of smoke and mirrors they probably should have lost to the vikings with that chip shot field goal that ended up going wide right but they end up laying an absolute beating on the Rams, 37 to 20. Who impressed you the most in that game? I mean, the easier answer is probably Murray. But honestly, I think just I'd give credit to the Cardinals defense. Mm -hmm. They did not make life easy at all for the Rams. And this is a Rams team everyone was calling for like MVP, early MVP votes for Stafford. And I think what gets overlooked with that Arizona Cardinals team just because of all the high power offensive weapons they have is how many good defensive players they've been drafting over the past few years, plus adding a guy like J.J. Watt. I mean, they just look dominant right now. I was impressed with A.J. Green. Guy came out and had a great day, and he had a great, great day. Great day the week before. 
solid player for that team, especially because they have DeAndre Hopkins and, you know, a guy like AJ Green was so used to being the number one, you know, can, can uh, get some pressure taken off him a bit. I thought that was great. AJ Green is going to, uh, I said it before the season even kicked off. I think he's going to thrive in the role of not needing to be the guy. Like, I I don't even know if I would necessarily call him their number two wide receiver. Like Kirk is putting up some numbers and having some pretty big games down there as well. Uh, But AJ Green is someone who, if he is going to be out there in three wide receiver sets (laughs) and you've got your, your best corner on Hopkins, your next best guy on Kirk, you better have a deep secondary if you're going to be putting a, a linebacker or a safety or maybe not starting DB on AJ Green and expecting results. So kudos to them. I, I think they, they made some under the radar signings. And like you said, Craig, like their defense really impressed me that game because they, they were hit and miss. They would either have these massive games where, you know, Jones goes out there and is sacking everything in sight. And then all of a sudden the Vikings are putting a beat down on them and they can't stop the run. And now some would argue they couldn't really stop the run that much in that game either, but the Rams stopped running for them. So they didn't need to address that issue. So that might be something they need to clean up a little bit, but overall definitely impressed with the Arizona Cardinals defense in that game for sure. Well, what's going to end up happening is that's going to be the whole way to beat them, right? It's the whole secret to these high flying offenses is to try to run the ball on them and eat up that clock. But the problem is when you come out and you score 21 points, like three touchdowns in your first four possessions, you have to start throwing the ball. Absolutely. Well, an interesting subplot that's developing from a fantasy standpoint is just how the Cardinals are divvying up touches in the backfield. So if we look at the game this weekend, we got Edmonds, 12 rushes, 120 yards, four catches, 19 yards. Then you've got Connor, 18 rushes for 50 yards and two TDs. So the two takeaways there are, number one, Connor's getting more touches. And it's not just this week. It's a couple of weeks that he's really been vulturing into some of Edmonds' load. But he is clearly going to be their red zone guy and their goal line guy. Like Edmonds is struggling to hit pay dirt this year. So I guess the question would be, Moving forward, if you had to pick one or the other for the rest of the season, who is the more appealing start out of Connor or Edmonds? For me, probably Edmonds still. Um, I know Connor is getting a lot of the goal line carries, but I feel like he's basically, he's touchdown dependent at this point. Mm-hmm. And Kyler Murray loves to scramble. And he's going to eat into that as well. Whereas Chase Edmonds is just, I mean, he fits in perfectly with that style of spread him out offense. He can change plays and bring him into rush the ball mm-hmm. if you want, but he's so dangerous catching the ball as well. Yeah. And like, and if, especially if you're in a P, that was what I was going to say. If you're in a PPR league, I think Edmonds is definitely the one you hang on to as well. I mean, the guy has 20 catches after four weeks. Extrapolate that. That's, you know, he may slow down a bit, but that's 80 catches a year. Great production for running back. Yeah, I would tend to agree as well, too. I like Edmonds. I have him in one of the leagues. It's unfortunately not a PPR league, but still serviceable numbers. And I mean, the 12 rushes, 120 yards get skewed a little bit because he did have the, the one big scamper. But as far as like actual yards per carry, not a huge difference between the two. Now, I haven't looked after this weekend. But so that might have gotten skewed a little bit because of that breakout performance as far as uh, averaging 10 yards a carry against the Rams there. But yeah, I mean, it's the classic case of who do you want? The guy that's going to be probably on the field for two thirds of the snaps 
or the guy who you're hoping someone gets tackled inside the five yard line moving forwards, which would be Connor, right? So Connor, definitely more touchdown dependent. He's not going to be putting up any 100 yard rushing games. I think this season, unless it's an absolute laugher, like, I don't know, do the Cardinals play the Jets or the Jaguars at some point this season where you know they could bench all their starters by the second half? Yeah, I don't know, man. That'd be the one thing, like maybe Connor can break a big run kind of thing to pad the stats, but you take away that long run from uh, Edmonds last week and he still averages 6.6 yards of carry. So still way better than what Connor's dishing out. There you go. All right. Well, if we want to move on to running backs that everyone is talking about here, Cordell Patterson, who is looking like he could be wide receiver one and running back one by the end of the year because he's got the dual eligibility. I don't think anyone saw this coming, right? Like even if you were just looking at that Atlanta backfield preseason, like they brought in Mike Davis for a reason. Now, Mike Davis isn't a sexy name and someone that I would personally want to be rolling with, but uh, did anyone foresee Cordero Patterson even having a fantasy relevant year this year, let alone putting up the numbers that he has through four weeks? No, but I'm glad he is. He's a talented guy who, you know, he's, he's shown flashes of brilliance many times in his career and I am good on him. I'm happy that he's clearly found a spot where he fits into their scheme well and they, you know, he's comfortable with them and they know how to use him well. And he's, he's producing, uh, maybe he'll slow down. Maybe he'll become irrelevant again, but I hope he doesn't. I like Corderell Patterson. I think he's a, an awesome player. I mean, because he's got terrific skill sets and I'm glad that it's uh, paying off for him. Yeah. I mean, I, I just wish I started him last week. <laughs> oh, yeah there you go like you would have go, okay. go through it six rushes 34 yards five catches 82 yards three tds he was one of the highest scoring players of the week so that's uh that's a spicy meatball you had on the bench there craig oh boy was it yeah no, you and I, everybody uh, you and you and everybody else except for the guy i was playing even though i still beat him yeah no what i what i should have done is i i didn't take into account the weather that was happening in houston or in buffalo because I had Sanders there. He was coming off a big game. They were going up against Houston. I'm just thinking he's going to get he's going to get some yards and touchdowns. It was just it was such a blow up from the start. Like it was targets weren't there for them. It was raining. I don't know. I, I should have I should have switched it out right there. But whatever. What's done is done. Cordell Patterson's in my lineup the rest of the time. <laughs> no you know as soon as i take him out if he has a couple bad games he's just going to explode again because that's just how fantasy works with me so yeah. he's just off the stage that's right well boys we right. give ourselves a pat on the back i can't remember if it was me if it was craig if it was eric but somewhere in my show notes i did have that we gave cordero patterson as a ad after week one of the nfl season so we were on the uh, the cpat train early so uh good for us but I think the biggest thing for Patterson moving forward is, and I don't know about, you know, ESPN leagues or anything like that, but at least in Yahoo, he's wide receiver eligible. So if you can get running back production out of a wide receiver slot and then still start two running backs and a flex, right? Like that's massive for it right there. So by that virtue alone, like I get it. He's not the number one necessarily scoring running back right now. Derek Henry in PPR technically is better than him right now, but 
I see more value in Patterson if he's able to obviously keep this up. This could very well just be a small sample size splash on the pan. We're not discounting that. You know, mm. I, I wouldn't advise trading Derrick Henry for Cordell Patterson. But just if you're looking at it from a value standpoint, if you're able to start him in a wide receiver slot, that is massive. Well, that's uh. the thing too. Like, I mean, you've got he had six rushes and six targets last game, so he basically is splitting, right? So it makes sense that he'd be available in both wide receiver and running back. And I think what they really like about that is, I mean, they can, he's that wide receiver, that running back wide receiver here that maybe a lot of people thought the Saints would be using maybe Alvin Kamara more. And where if you see you're in man, you have a mismatch with who's covering the running back, split them out wide. And all of a sudden you just have a threat on the outside that just make one guy miss and he's gone. So I I think Ryan likes throwing to him. I think he trusts him and he's just going to keep on going to him. In Yahoo, I think he has dual eligibility in ESPN. He does not. He's listed as a running back in ESPN, which is such crock shit. He should be both. Get your shit together, ESPN. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Million dollar question though. So let's say someone in your league, you are a CPAT owner and they offer you a bona fide number one running back. So let's say not Christian McCaffrey or something like that, but maybe a early second round, late first round running back for Patterson straight up. Do you pull the trigger on that or are you believers in him sustaining this over the course of the season? Great question. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's honestly, I'm more, although I think he'll be, he'll have a fine season. I, I think I'm still on the uh, boat of selling high on him. I remember there was a year where um, one of the most brilliant trades I've ever seen, the year that Javid Best put up two 40 point games, game one and game two. The guy in my league was able to trade him for like an elite, an elite running back, an elite running back. And then Javid Best just fell off the rails and. <laughs> You know, that was all I have to say about that. And Thanks, Morris. Looks like a good trade. So something, sometimes these things work out. You, you could probably sell them pretty high. If you wanted to, I'd say it'd be a good move because who knows? Maybe they, but maybe they'll they'll use him as an everyday guy, an every down guy rather, but could be a good time to hold the So who would you trade him for right now? Just off the top of your head, like, I mean. That is a great question. <laughs> like where where is the where's the Cordero Patterson line here? So right now he's third in PPR leagues. So you got like just below him is Aaron Jones, Zeke Elliott. Like Chubb is not putting up the same amount of points. Chubb is like almost 20 points back of him right now, right? Like McCaffrey's out, but you got Kamara. Are you going to trade Kamara for Patterson? Here's some comparables for you right now. Austin Eckler is right around almost virtually identical points-wise to him in PPR leagues. Evo Samuel. Tyreek Hill are within eight points of him. You have to price in a regression, though. You know and what I mean? Like, I don't think anybody's no. trading. Maybe except for Debo Samuel, I don't think anybody is really trading for any of the other guys you mentioned, namely Tyreek Hill. Now, are you just looking to trade him out as a wide receiver or running back kind of thing? Or are you looking for running backs here? Well, it right? doesn't because really matter, right? It like... doesn't matter. So Austin, Austin Eckler, I wouldn't if, – if someone offered me Austin Eckler and I had Corderell Patterson, like I'm making that trade in a second. Yeah, but is anyone so actually going to Far less – no, they're <laughs> not. It's far less risk to have Austin Eckler than Corderell Patterson. Well, let's put a interesting one out here for you guys as Kareem Hunt owners. So let's say mm, okay, who, that's an interesting one. Someone who is not the starter but gets enough touches that on a lot of teams probably would be equivalent to a starter. Are you more bullish on a Kareem Hunt for the rest of the season in that Browns offense or Cordero Patterson continuing to play out of his mind? Column A. 
If someone, if I have Cordero Patterson and someone offers me Kareem Hunt, I think I'm taking Kareem Hunt because the guy has a pretty decent floor. He catches a couple balls a game, especially in PPR. Yeah, I, I think I'd take Kareem Hunt over Cordero Patterson. This could be, I could be setting myself up for another Eric eats his words segment by saying that, but I would, I'd go with, with uh, Kareem Hunt. I was with you. I mean, I, I have him on the same team that I sat Patterson and I started Hunt and I mean, Hunt still had a good game, but goddamn Patterson. <laughs> I actually, I'm going to zag here. I'm going to actually turn that trade down. And that's simply because if it's in a Yahoo league and I can start him at wide receiver, there's more value to that there. Now, you offer me Nick Chubb, I'll, I'll, I'll take him for Cordell Patterson any day of the week. But right now, I, I'm just going to ride this roller coaster of Cordell Patterson and to see how far it takes us. Honestly, like this is this is what's so much fun about fantasy football is those guys that just kind of mm-hmm. come out of nowhere, right? And if you're lucky enough to have them, it'd take a lot for me to trade Patterson. I think I just want to see where this goes. Sure. Uh, speaking of trades and kind of on a different note, I was receiving trade offers for Tyson Williams and turned them down after week two mm. dang it <laughs> I mean, all good i have Tariq cohen on my ir ready to come and gobble up some touches when while montgomery is still nursing his injury he could be back don't worry no. I, i've i've re-added Le'Veon bell <laughs> he's Ooh. been promoted no. to the practice squad i mean that's just such a weird one right because like if you look at that backfield why is Williams not the starter? Like you look at all of yeah. those facts. How do you have more confidence in a, a Freeman, a Bell, a Murray over this kid? Like give him a chance, see what he can do. But Baltimore clearly. Yeah, they did and he did pretty well, did he not? I mean, maybe I'm missing something. Like did something happen? It sounded like Harbaugh just wanted to give Bell his shot. But him doing that, I mean, he almost lost the record for consecutive 100-yard rushers. They had to pull a last second of the game out of reach, four-yard run from Lamar just to keep the record going. Well, four attempts for 11 yards. Which was hilarious, by the way. Good game. Yeah. Only that got was so fun. yards, but the amount that he zigzagged, juke moved, spin moved in the backfield there, those were probably covered closer to like 40 yards of just lateral running to gain those 11 yards. So. so it was like a Madden, a Madden button mash is what he looked like. Absolutely. hundred percent. He's like right. Ben. He's just living in the past. Can we talk about John Harbaugh's decision there? Sure. Oh, How hilarious. That was, well, I mean, it, it's hilarious. <laughs> But at the same time, too, like Denver's down 16 and still calling timeouts. So oh, yeah. at that point, too, like, what, what do you want them to do? It's just so funny, like, how aware they are about that record. You wouldn't think it would matter to them. But like, clearly players and coaches pay attention to some of that stuff because he's just like, oh, we need we need four yards? Okay, Lamar, take four, then slide. Yeah. Like I I, did, I didn't mind it. Whatever. Go ahead. No, I don't I see that as bad, that's, that's bad sportsmanship. Um, I'm all about breaking down unwritten, unwritten rules. If someone wants to hit a grand slam in the eighth inning when they're up 11 runs, go ahead and do it. Especially if the team's, especially if the team's put in a position player to uh, to pitch against the guy. I know I kind of switched sports here, but it happens a lot. Happens it happens a lot. Conditioning for our future fantasy baseball podcast right now, apparently. Yeah. If you don't like it, stop it. For all the, for all the people who are whining about unwritten rules and them being called the toughest players in the game they sure whine a lot that's all they can do they can't taunt anymore all right let's move on to your survivor pool picks because i've got a tie-in for this afterwards but both of you moved on the bucks by the skin of their teeth off a doink field goal attempt by the patriots eric moves on craig 
Laffer, Buffalo moves on. I can't remember who picked who, but what do we got this week queued up? Both of you are still alive and fighting. Craig, I believe you actually have honors this week. And while you are contemplating that pick, let me just do a quick little shout out. Oh, yes. Yes. Kyle, can you open another one just so we can hear that sound again? Just chug it. Just chug it back real quick. Yeah, either way i'm just gonna be annihilated by the time this podcast is over here this right. either way what a sound that was wouldn't you say <laughs> this week's looking a bit tougher two <laughs> <laughs> lasers you can just you can just edit around that to make it make sense <laughs> all right uh i'm gonna take a hmm well, he started off so confident. Yeah, I'll, I, I feel like... He's going to take bit, the Detroit Lions. Well, I think this is a bit riskier than I'd like, but I'm just going to go ahead and I'll pick the Packers on the road against the Bengals. I like Ooh. how the Bengals have been playing. Ooh. Yeah. It's Wait, you like the way weird. the Bengals have been playing, therefore you're picking the Packers on the road. Yeah, way. that's why I'm sketched out about it, because I feel like this could be an upset, but... Well, it, the I'm lines going, going the I'm line going. is three for Green Bay, so it wouldn't be that much of an upset since no one's expecting it to be. Uh, anyways, let's go the shore route here, and I'll go against the Texans one more time, and I'll pick the Patriots. I'll pick Mac Jones to outduel Davis Mills. I know that Kyle has a rookie card that he's looking to gain in value from Davis Mills performing. Not going to happen this week, buddy. This is it. I, I think it's losing value by the week, to be honest with you. I, I... <laughs> At a certain point, I'm going to owe people money just by having that. All right. Well, there we go. We've got it locked in. We'll see if you guys can move past week five. You know who didn't move past week four is the thousands of people who picked against the Jets and the Giants this week. Amazing. Last week was so great for for my survivor pool. And it would have been even better had the Jags held on. It would have got rid of about 40% of the people. Yeah, that's very similar to mine. I'm in a fairly large survivor pool. I moved on because I took Buffalo and I was uh, over by like eight minutes into the first quarter. Yeah. So I could, yeah, I, I felt, uh, yeah, I felt the same way. I usually don't like to go with the biggest spread because everyone picks that. And then if that happens to not happen, then you're left over with a small pool of people. But last week, I just felt a lot of those, like not as big spreads, but heavy favorites were were a lot of them were on the road you know like sometimes when just the home crowd can just energize a team that's playing bad and they can play well so i'm happy i didn't go with any of those even oh. though the giants were, actually were the, the giants weren't even at home no they were anyways i just i i avoided that game because i thought the giants are better than an zero and three team and i don't think the saints are that good yeah, well, with me, it ended up working out nicely because a lot of people had already picked Buffalo in the first three weeks to advance. So mm. I knew that quite a few people in the pool couldn't pick that and that those Jets Correct. teams were going to be very enticing. And I actually had originally selected the Titans. And then once A.J. Brown was ruled out and Julio mm. ruled out, then I went, well, nah, I still think the Titans will win, but I'm just going to go with the sure thing. And good thing I did. Yeah, both teams winning in overtime who were you more impressed with the jets or the giants winning in ot um i was more impressed with the jets because i was already kind of impressed with the as weird as this sounds kind of impressed with the giants before going into this game they made a few bonehead errors that you know cost them some previous games but 
I knew that they like, you know, Daniel Jones was playing better. I knew it was, a you know, they have a lot of weapons on their team on offense. I knew it was a matter of time before they put together a really good game because they had the potential to do it. The Jets, however, talk about doing a complete 180 after the half and Zach Wilson looking like the second coming of Nate Peterman until until the second half kickoff and just absolutely balled out in the second half and honestly good for him good for him i hope it helps his confidence and i hope he becomes a better quarterback because of but he looked great and so did Corey davis well i promise you i'm not just trying to disagree with everything you say here but i'm gonna go with the giants and it's mostly because the jets even though they won the game they nearly jetted themselves out of that game like there is no reason that the titans should have been able to go down and tie that game with what 16 seconds left or whatever it was on the clock nine seconds hardly any time left just a broken play on defense to send it to overtime then you get it to overtime and zach wilson showed that he was a rookie in there with some of the decisions he made with throwing it at the tight end's feet twice on two different plays yeah scampered should have scored yep should have scored and then on the third and one Rather than just throwing it away after realizing, okay, this is a broken play here. I'm clearly going to get sacked if I try to run. Tried to put his shoulder down and got tackled for a four-yard loss. So, like, at, in overtime, you're an 0-3 team. You got a new head yeah. coach for his first win. Like, just throw it away. They probably would have gone for it on Correct. fourth and one. Now it's fourth mm-hmm. and five. You got to kick a field goal and hope that the Jets' defense holds up. Like, just rookie mistakes <laughs> like uh Jets defense oh my god yeah you're right you're right as soon as tennessee was going for a field goal i was okay with that whether they made it or missed because for that i was like at least for survivor it eliminates it a little because a tie eliminates both sides you yeah. must pick the winner yeah yeah i was i was more impressed with the giants mostly because i kind of i don't think the saints or the titans are anywhere near as good as you would think they'd be at this point like the Titans, I mean, just, I don't know how, what's going on with their O-line, but Tannehill just is getting absolutely wrecked back there. Like another seven sacks against the Jets, like block somebody. But I kind of thought that they'd stop, the Saints would stop playing so conservative like they had before when Breeze didn't have an arm. They kind of let Jameis throw more. And it's just not, you're not seeing that attack downfield like you thought there would be. And I thought of all games for them to maybe break it out more, it would be the first home game after the hurricane, like their actual first home win. They were just flat, like just no, no big plays really. And it's just, I don't, I don't know what they're doing. I really don't know what their game plan is. Well, I don't think even Sean Payton knows what their game plan is right now because it is a team that should be performing better than they are, but they are coming up well short of expectations. And you got to realize they've got a decent defense too. If they could just put together some drives, like this is a good team that they could be piecing together, vying for a wild card. I don't think they're going to catch the box to win the division, but like they could be a fringe playoff team if everything sort of went right, but they can't seem to get any kind of consistency on offense or sustained drives of any kind. And I agree. Like, Listen, if you're going to start Jameis Winston and expect him to go 27 for 32 on the day, it's just not going to happen. But if you can live with the fact that he'll maybe put up 450 yards, two picks, (laughs) and maybe four touchdowns, like, at the end of the day, the good outweighs the bad. He's not a bad quarterback. He makes bonehead decisions. But with the talent that's around him, what was missing from him in those Tampa Bay years was the talent around him. It was essentially, Mm. you know, Mike Evans and throw the ball to him and hope for the best. But obviously things have changed since Brady got to town. 
they've got the talent in New Orleans and they're just not trusting him. And I, I don't get it. I don't understand what's happening. No, and it's it's a lot of it is on play calling. I mean, Kamara had one target. Yeah. What are you yeah, doing? like come what on. Are you yeah. Doing? And it's not like you can't just blame it on Winston only wanting to look downfield. Because no, you can call screenplays, you can call quick slant outs where it's like he's the primary yeah. target and you use other guys to clear out. They're just not doing that right now. I just don't understand it. Eric, what's the status update on your uh, buy low candidate of the year, Michael Thomas? When are we going to see him making a season debut? Well, he started on the physically unable to perform list, so he's out until at least, you know, he's out for six weeks, which brings him to week seven, which is right after the Saints buy in week six. So maybe Slant Boy is the, is the answer to Jameis' prayers. All right. Another NFC South team. Don't know if you heard there was a little bit of a talked about game on Sunday night. Something yeah. about a Tom Brady heading back to New England. Don't know why that's relevant or anything, but apparently people tuned in to it and quite the downpour that happened. Probably not the cleanest of games, I'll say. It was a lot of sloppiness to it. Took a little bit of the luster out of Tom Brady's return, just the weather being such a factor. But as we said, that doink off the upright saves the box. They end up winning it. What were your big takeaways from that game for either of the teams? Pat's defense looked good. Mac Jones starting to get comfortable. But like, because I mean, really like the Bucks. I mean, regardless of whether you just assume they were going to go in there and roll. I've, I was impressed. Mac Jones and his development. I think he really took a step forward that game. He was making good reads. He was, you know, working play action really well and making quick passes off, off the play action. He's knowing where he's, he knows where his guys are, knowing who's going to be open and he was making some good plays it's it's nice to see after all the struggles that the rookie quarterbacks have had and this past week was uh, i know we talked about rookie quarterback struggles last week this week was sort of the i guess the coming out party for a few of them where they maybe took an extra step except for davis mills and everybody looked a bit better especially mac jones like he in a game where it was where it's harder to hang on to the football because it's you got torrential downpours. I thought he he played very well. Yeah, it was the other players that were dropping the ball for him. So I mean, I mean, hey, everyone showed up there because it was Antonio Brown's big return to Foxborough. Like that's why people were turning it into that game, right? Like it had nothing to do with the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, he really moved them all for that one game he played. Amazing. Worse for Gronk. Gronk probably would have loved to have played in that game too. As an NFL fan, we've been in for treats the last couple of weeks. History's been made both times. Exciting plays. People breaking out. It's been fun if you're if, if you're an NFL fan for the past two weeks. Yeah, these Sunday night football games have been unbelievable. It's the Monday nighters that have actually been uh, kind of stinkers. And I mean, they couldn't even get the friggin' lights in the stadium to work. They had to delay this week's Monday nighter. But one interesting subplot that I picked up on in the let's call them Patriots social media circles and all of that. Can't remember who the journalist was that floated it out there, but the idea of obviously Bill Belichick wants to win that game and he's going to do everything in his power to it. Now, there's the big play they were at, whatever, the box 40-something yard line is either going to be the 56-yard field goal or they're going for it on fourth down. They obviously go for the field goal, hits the upright, they don't move on. But what the theory that this journalist floated out there was, Belichick is playing the long game here. He figures, okay, we can either win it or we can lose it. But if I'm going to lose it, I would rather lose it on a missed kick by a veteran kicker who's been there, done that, has no real pressure on him to perform 
then going for it on fourth down, the rookie fails to convert. And then this is the Mac Jones couldn't beat Tom Brady, right? So it becomes just a fluke happenstance that hit the upright. Oh, it could have gone either way. So he's trying to insulate Mac Jones and play the long game to try and string out that confidence and have everyone have this narrative all week of, wow, Mac Jones went toe to toe with him. And not for that kick, it could have been Mac Jones defeats the Patriots legend and all that. So just floating that out there, I thought that was an interesting take. What do you guys think knee jerk reaction hearing that? It's a bunch of shit. Yeah. It's a bunch of shit. Are you, are you kidding me? (laughs) The outcome of a fourth, the outcome of the outcome of a fourth and three at the end of the game is not going to define Mac Jones and, and make him like lose that much confidence. I think even if they miss that fourth and three, people are still going, well, he shit couldn't beat Tom Brady. Wouldn't they be saying that now anyways? Because he didn't convert because he didn't convert the third and three. It's his fourth game in the NFL. Yeah. You were like, you really expect him to like be the best of all time because like, and you're going to chastise him because he didn't convert on a third and three or third. And, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I went, he went, he went, I'm not the one. No, who no, no. I know. Yeah. But you, you had, a, you had, you had a very agreeable tone in your voice when you, when you were reading his take, I knew what side you stood on and it's shit. <laughs> Sorry, next time I float someone else's idea out there, I'll take like a Rush Limbaugh, like red in the face approach to delivering it. Can you believe this idiot came out and said this? Let me quote this. (laughs) That's how you should talk. (laughs) No, and I think too, like this would be the perfect time to try him in a high pressure situation where you're probably not going to make the playoffs anyways right now. You'd rather him try this now and see how he performs versus maybe in a year or two when you're actually going to need a conversion like that to make the playoffs. You don't want that to be the first time you're trying to convert a fourth or third and like and short to potentially win the game. Well, let's call it for what it is here. This is just Pats fans trying to rationalize like, oh, Belichick's playing, you know, 4D chess here when everyone else is playing tiddlywinks. Like we, we get that, but floating it out there, I just thought it was an interesting yeah. take from good old Foxborough. Some people, I mean, with everything Belichick's done, they just don't want to admit that maybe he made a bad decision. I respect the take and the side that he's coming from, but at the same time, we need, we as humans need to be able to criticize bad ideas, and that was a bad take. All right, well, <laughs> let's talk about some tight ends then. How what a week. I thought we already talked about Urban Meyer and his dance. <laughs> he's here all week, folks. Try the veal, tip your servers. Craig Anish, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but seriously, folks. Uzoma, oh, <laughs> that one queued up there, did you? Oh, well, I mean, we so, should get a soundboard. We need to get a soundboard for the show. Once yeah. we hit the top ten, in fan, there, maybe there we can get go. some, we can some get cool new corporate, nerd. attract some corporate sponsors, and we can pay for the soundboard. Tell you I, what, want, I want one with uh, Tim Allen doing the. Uh? <laughs> we get enough listeners that we crack the top then i'll spring for a soundboard just so we can get like the oh henry like oh yeah <laughs> all that sounds what about <laughs> what about what yeah i don't know um <laughs> oh gosh I'm, I'm trying to no it's a sound effect but i forget what the actual name of it is it's like where you, it's like the thing that like it's like a whistle type of thing but it goes like it like it's like it like Wide really whistle. changes its pitch and really quickly and it just it sounds really goofy. Slide whistle. Slide whistle. 
the one. Yeah, there we go. Slide whistle. We can, we can maybe just send Eric to like a children's music store with a with a budget sponsored by uh, Fanatics or My Bookie, and you can you can just go get yourself some do it yourself sound effects. Perfect. Getting back to the tight ends though, and not the <laughs> Urban Meyer kind. Uzoma, Ali Cox, Knox were just a couple of the tight ends who were largely unowned Mm. to put up some big performances this weekend. Of the tight ends who aren't the Travis Kelseys, the Mark Andrews, et cetera, of the world, who's someone who piqued your interest that you might take a little flyer on this week if you're tight end desperate? Through my biased, completely biased approach, I'm going to say Mo Ali Cox. I always thought he was an excellent excellent athlete and a wonderful red zone target that the Colts have not utilized to his full potential. However, Uzoma is a guy that actually looked like, like his ability to get open that game was amazing. And it seems like that him and Joe Burrow being a guy who's probably still developing chemistry with some of his players, especially because he missed a good chunk of the season last season, seemed like those two were on the same page. Now, granted, this may be the best game he'll put up all year. And it's not going to, might not happen regularly, but I can see him having a decent floor. If you're a guy who, especially if you got a A1 tight end and you need someone to stream during a bye week or an injury, probably not a bad choice going forward. Yeah, I would agree with that. And especially with one of Burrow's biggest targets, P. Higgins there with a shoulder injury, like have him step up as that third, maybe passing option or just another option for him there is huge for Burrow with if he's going to miss significant time well, and Nixon right. being out too or he's battling ankle injury like all of a sudden there's some extra targets to go around in Cincinnati I was just going to say with the uncertainty in the Cincinnati backfield at least for the time being I mean conflicting reports as someone who owns Mixon I, I've heard everything from week to week to day to day to he's going to get limited practices in all week and he should be good to go so I have no idea whether Mixon's out going to be for multiple weeks or, or what but I mean Cincinnati's coach was also wildly optimistic on injury timelines last year and they didn't really pan out so who knows but I like Dawson Knox because if you look at him he's adding to his totals every single week he's hit mm-hmm. Three straight weeks now, mind you, they're kind of in the poo-poo platter of their schedule here, right? Like, didn't have a great game against Pittsburgh in week one. Then they played Miami, who's looking like they are coming apart at the seams after having a half-decent year last year. Washington week three and Houston. I mean, I think everyone on Buffalo scored against Houston. But at the end of the day, he's getting actual targets which is nice to see too right like out of a tight end anything four targets or higher is kind of par for the course for those middle tier tight ends obviously kelsey's seeing almost double digit targets in every single game but he would be the outlier but his target share week to week four targets three targets five and then eight targets so he's been going up i like him because the more he builds continuity with Allen under center the more he's going to see those red zone looks and I don't know about you guys but there's been nothing out of Moss or Singletary this year that is inspiring a ton of confidence that Buffalo is going to be a run heavy team maybe when the weather turns they'll they'll switch to that but at least for the time being it seems to be a pass first offense yeah and you know what like Buffalo's schedule really isn't that difficult as far as opposing defenses right now yeah, they play in the, the next game is against KC, who is, I mean, I feel like they're last place in every category right now. Tennessee is reeling. They get a bye week in seven, but then they have Miami, Jacksonville, Jets, Indy, 
New Orleans, like it's it's not the worst schedule at all. So if you're desperate for a tight end, Dawson Knox would definitely be a flyer. Now the only oh, thing something. that concerned me a bit is Stefan Diggs has kind of had a slow start, and you feel like at some point he's gonna come out of nowhere and have a huge game, and that could end up affecting his numbers. But touchdown dependent Knox, that's not a bad pick with the Buffalo Bills offense right now. We're gonna end the show with this. We're each gonna give our own breakout candidate picks. So this is someone who maybe is just simmering below the surface a little bit. It's sort of that last call to pick them up either from the waiver wire or to make a trade for them while their value is low. Who is someone that you think is going to really break out now that we're a quarter of the way done the season and they are going to start being fantasy relevant, especially heading into the playoffs in the latter part of the season? Well, for me, I'm looking at an outspoken rookie who has been waiting to get his targets. And now that a couple injuries have happened with uh, Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton, both hamstrings, which seems to be happening in the league, just everyone's hamstrings are blowing out. But I'm looking at Kadarius Tony for the Giants, who had his first, I guess, real chance at starting in the slot. And he came up big against the Saints there. Um, I mean, six catches for 78 yards, nine targets, solid averages too with his catches. He's able to make guys miss at I mean, hamstrings are going to be tricky, and if guys come back early, they're going to just end up pulling them again and not be fully healed. I think Tony's just on the rise right now. I think he's going to be getting a ton of targets the rest of the way. Eric, are you still with us? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of conflicted because I, I feel like when I'm predicting a breakout, it should be a guy who is, as you said, simmering below the surface because I really like Randall Cobb as an option because he look, looks, you know, like he's comfortable again with Rodgers. And um, I know he would probably, people would say he'd be maybe fourth on a depth chart behind Valdez Scantling and Lazard. But I think he starts to see a lot of targets like he did with, you know, with Rodgers in years past. He's, he's Rodgers' buddy. And like Tom Brady, Rodgers will feed his buddies. So honestly, I'll go with him. I'll go that he continues to see the, the success and volume that he got this past game and be a decent waiver wire pickup. There you go. Age ain't nothing but a number to Eric Long. Going with the Wiley vet, Randall Cobb. He had more targets this game than he did the rest of the weeks combined. So, I mean, yeah. I that call probably break out. It's trending right. in the right direction. I'm going to go with youth here. I'm going to side with Craig. I'm going to go with Jalen Waddell in Miami based solely on the fact that he is seeing a huge number of targets, but they're all just <laughs> dink and dunks right now. Like he's getting targeted. I think he had one game, 13 targets and something like 11 catches, huge PPR day, but total yardage. I think he struggled to break like 50 yards in that game. So like, they're all just these tiny plays, but it bodes well for him moving forward. Cause he's clearly in, integral part of that offense now obviously the dolphins are at a bit of a interesting crossroads here they've got Brissett. just when tua comes back i mean the dolphins are hoping that he's gonna break out and have an improved second half of the season whether he does or not hard to say but i like the fact that his role in that offense seems to be growing he's not got a ton of competition i mean parker and will fuller out there but really the way this offense is operating right now they are not airing it out so that kind of takes fuller off the table right there and limits parker a little bit so it's almost like this offense is built for waddell out of the slot yep and is fuller not injured again probably i thought, <laughs> I thought he left the game 
with an injury like early on. I genuinely think that Yahoo and ESPN have just built into their algorithm that there's just a constant injury update on Will Fuller at any given moment. Even if he has a, a breakout game the day before, he's probably still listed as questionable for the next week. Week to week with a broken finger. There you go. Wide receivers with broken fingers are generally a bad thing. Holy. Well, I'm also just going to throw it out there, you know. Could be completely wrong and he could fizzle out, but Josh Gordon activated from the Ooh. practice squad. He's going to be live against Buffalo this weekend, Craig. I wasn't going to say anything. I don't want to jinx it. Oh, <laughs> I'm pumped. I'm excited to see him. I, I, I know he'll be active. I don't know how many snaps he'll see, but just to see him uh, in a Chiefs uniform is going to be fun. Yeah. Well, I think the biggest thing for the Chiefs right now is just Pringle is a great kickoff returner and punt returner and all of that but aside from that one touchdown he had in what week two like when was the last memorable byron pringle moment that you can think of oh i have some but it's because i watch every game (laughs) um but it's it's few and far between and honestly like if anything maybe it'll give nicole harvin a little kick in the ass too because he actually had his best game of the year last week as well maybe like he just didn't have that internal competition some players need that i don't like that they need that but all of a sudden maybe he sees that there could be a diminishing role for him on the team if he doesn't shape up so good news for the chiefs offense their defense is terrifying <laughs> there's so many issues with that defense yep they're gonna i can see them absolutely waxed by buffalo this week uh, I, I think they're in for a bit of a regression maybe they won't be great but i don't think they're giving up 35 points 30 35 points every game yeah well it's cheap one would hope not <laughs> yeah. all right before we log off have to hand out our weekly and veal award for the person who came out of nowhere to surprisingly put up a fantasy-relevant stat line. And this week, Eric, you've been throwing pot shots at them all episode long, but we are going to the Detroit Lions. We're going to go with Khalif Raymond, Detroit Lions wide receiver, put up 20.1 points, six targets, three receptions, 46 yards, and two TDs to come out of absolutely nowhere. And we will likely not hear from him again this season, but who knows? Maybe this is his breakout performance of his own. Yeah, no, he had a big game. Um, just before we sign up, too, also just uh, like to shout out Clyde Edwards Lair, back to back 100 yard games rushing. No big deal. And uh... eat your words, <laughs> Kyle. I refuse to eat my words. This, this, is the, this is the anomaly right here. When you're putting up 100 yards against the fucking Eagles, like that doesn't surprise me whatsoever. Like, this, I knew I, that's where you're going. I, saw, I said at the beginning of the season, either the Eagles are going to win the division and make the playoffs, or the, the train is coming off the rails. And if you no. saw the play calling and just the clock management, like I was getting flashbacks to peak Andy Reid clock mismanagement when he was in Philadelphia with Nick Sirianni. To be fair, to be fair, God, Eagle, God. Eagles had some touchdowns taken off the board from some fringe penalty calls. Eagles will have a top five draft pick when the season is done. That, that is my new bold prediction. Yeah. And I, they'll I, have a top five fantasy quarterback when the season's done too. Book no, because they can't play the Chiefs every week, man. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, also, it looks like uh, Jalen Smith just got cut by the Dallas Cowboys. Former first round inside linebacker, gone. What happened there? Performance, or was there an incident in Dallas? 
I'm thinking he just got replaced by uh, Mika Parsons, really. Or, I don't know, did he have a couple knee injuries earlier on? I can't remember now if it was him that had those. But still, that's uh, it's interesting. Well, Parsons was someone that I was huge on before the draft. And had we not traded up for Devontae Smith, that's who I wanted the Eagles to take based on who was still left on the board. So it really pains me to see him having the year he is in Dallas because I think he is not just a one-year wonder. Like, I think he's going to be one of the top linebackers in the league for years to come moving forward. How about Trayvon Diggs, though? Oh, another guy, uh, yeah. Dallas's defense is looking pretty uh, pretty solid right now. The season is early. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Listen, you know what? They probably will win the division because it's the NFC East and the Washington football team, the, the not-yet-renamed <laughs> armada that Eric wants them to be called. I've lost... Fitz magic for the year so it's not like they've got a uh oh it's for the year now what was it oh sorry eight weeks you're you're right eight eight weeks but i mean still gonna be tough to give him a get to for him to catch up and get a top 10 fantasy year though either way yeah it's not happening well i said barring injury i'm, I'm okay with yeah. <laughs> so like i really doesn't surprise me that they're gonna make the playoffs but for the love of god if you're a dallas cowboys fan like, can we slow down on the we are Super Bowl contenders? Nah, man, start the parade planning. Come on. The Toronto Maple Leafs of the NFL here, like the, literally starting their Lombardi parade planning week one of the season. And, oh, my God, uh, just insufferable. Absolutely insufferable. But you know what? I wouldn't now, say they will be. Listening to this podcast. We love you. We appreciate you. Continue listening <laughs> to us. I will say, I bet you they do one better than the Leafs, though. I think they win a playoff game. Oh, oh that's, that's a spicy one. <laughs> Which would be the equivalent to a series. The Leafs are not winning any series. I'll pull on that thread because it all is going to come down to who they end up playing. And if it ends up being anyone not in the NFC West, uh, I, I can see that happening. If it ends up being an NFC West team like, Let's face it, Dallas, you don't have much of a home field advantage. That that monolith mega stadium down there is just so big that it's not like one of those stadiums where the fans are on top of you. It's loud. It's noisy. It's not Seattle, right? It's not KC. So there's not a huge home field advantage. And I just think that NFC West, if they end up pulling like the Rams or maybe they can get past the Seahawks because it turns into a shootout, but let's say the Cardinals falter down the stretch there and you're playing Arizona. Like I, I think either the Rams or Arizona are going to run rough shot over this Dallas team. Yeah. Depends on the matchup for sure. Fun game though. It will be <laughs> a fun game. All right, folks, for those that are listening, make sure you toss us a follow on any of our social media channels. They're all the same at Dynasty League, all one word, no spaces in between. Check out the Pods versus Pros Charity Fantasy Football League that is ongoing right now. Neither of our teams currently in first place. That goes out to Landers from the Ottawa Red Blacks. Currently, with strength of schedule, tie breaks is currently in first place, but. Both of us nipping at his heels as we move forward. For those that are listening, most importantly, like, review, share, subscribe. Give us a nice little five-star review or even a little write-up on Apple or Spotify or wherever you're listening to this. Till next week, folks, stay safe. We'll see you in a bit. Eric is waving goodbye. <laughs>